Before I read the um, second lesson for the morning, I want to give you a short geography lesson. It will help it make more sense. Um, the time for this is Amos, and he's preaching just as the kingdom that we call Israel is falling apart. It's going to break in half. And the north is going to disappear. Its head city is called Bethel. And it's way far in the south of the north part, about 20 miles probably from Jerusalem, which you've heard of. Jerusalem is the head city of what is called Judah, which is the southern part. And these two are still right now tenuously one thing, but they're not going to be that very long. And this is what um, God calls Amos to say. So let us listen for the word of God. Amos is speaking. This is what God showed me. Yahweh was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in God's hand. And the Holy One said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then God said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to King Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the very center of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile, away from its land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go. Flee away to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees, and the Holy One took me from following the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people, Israel. Here ends our lesson from Scripture. This summer, I have been spending some time with poetry, books of poems, as well as books about poetry. Some say that the decade of one's 70s is meant for this endeavor. 
The more I read about the way language works in the hands of a poet, the more I begin, begin to remember seminary classes trying to teach me about the Bible and how to interpret it, how the language of the Bible works. And so then I opened the Bible to consider what I might hear from the psalmist and Amos, the prophet, who claims he is not. I've learned to look for the concrete in poems, the material things one can see. In Psalm 85, you can find land, ground, sky, path, and even kiss, all of which seems specific and quite material. But there are other more ephemeral concepts like peace and salvation, glory and faithfulness and righteousness. An editor would quibble about those. But it could be translation gets us in trouble. The psalmist wrote in Hebrew, which got translated into Greek before it ever made its way to English. However, because it is biblical poetry, I think we can get the gist. We know from the whole Bible that steadfast love is the primary descriptor used for God, the creator of all. And we know that God calls people to be faithful, loyal, or as Melvin put it so well last week, to fall in love with God. Psalm 85 prays for shalom, meaning peace and joy in its deepest sense, to bless Israel and all who dwell therein. The psalmist admits that for this to happen, the hearts of the people must return to their call. Turn around, remember, pay attention to what the prophet Amos would call the plumb line. The vision that Amos has is worthy of a poem, very concrete, a brick wall and a plumb line illustrating the whole building process. Right angles might stand in for righteousness that we see in the psalm. In the world of biblical writing as well as poetry, it is no great leap from the material to the spiritual, from the particular to the universal. A brick wall can stand for a whole society. And if you tweak the translation of the vision just a tad from I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel to I am setting a plumb line to the heart of my people Israel, time disappears and we are invited to think about God's plumb line and our own hearts, of the behavior of our own country. What is this plumb line? 
as the psalmist has already told us, it has a lot to do with steadfast love and faithfulness on God's part and on our own. In addition to poetry and the Bible, I have also been reading Krista Tippett's book, Becoming Wise, an inquiry into the mystery and art of living. Now there's a title to ponder. Tippett began her working life as a journalist. She also grew up in Oklahoma. I lived there for two years, so that makes her special. <laughs> in her early 20s, she was posted to Berlin as a journalist covering political news. She knew she needed something grounding when she took a trip to Scotland at age 25 and encountered its solid reality. Spiritual directors define contemplation as a long, loving look at the real. According to Tippett, sometimes the real stuns a person into paying attention. NPR carries Tippett's conversational interview show called On Being. Becoming Wise, the book, grows out of the interviews she conducted between 2003 and 2015. She seems to be on a quest to understand how wisdom develops and is nurtured in all cultures all over the world. Among the people Tippett has interviewed are four that she lists as amongst the wisest. The first is Jean Vanier, I think you'd call him, a Canadian. He's the founder of the Larch Movement. In that movement, they form communities of people with and without intellectual disabilities to live together as peers. Another on her list is Desmond Tutu, who you will know as the anti-apartheid activist from South Africa. Third is Wangar Maatai from Kenya. She's the woman who founded the Greenbelt Movement to reduce poverty and foster environmental cons conservation through tree planting. And the fourth on this particular list is Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, a global spiritual leader, poet, and peace activist. Some of you will have read a book or two of his. These four people epitomize wisdom for Krista Tippett. She writes, people ask me about the common denominators of the wisest people I've encountered. Alongside all the virtues that accompany and anchor wisdom, there is a characteristic physical presence Here's what it feels like, what I can report, an embodied capacity to hold power and tenderness in a surprising creative enterprise. Power and tenderness. 
That is a wee bit of poetry to contemplate. And it also strikes me uh, that I could put a fifth person on that list, and it would be Jesus of Nazareth. Power and tenderness. Sometimes we think that there has never been a time like the one we are currently living through. Sure feels like that in terms of its speed, at least. But in the land of poetry and biblical writing, a funny thing happens to the horizon, to the timeline. It reaches out from thousands of years ago and grabs us. When God called Amos to prophesy to God's people, their world was in a mess with intertribal struggles within God's people, Israel, as well as global struggles as Egypt and Assyria and Babylon competed for kingdom space. Writ large, it sounds way too familiar to our own time. As the psalmist reminds us, God's love is steadfast, ever-present, a potential plumb line for our reflection on what matters most deeply when the world is tilting and values feel lost and gone forever. Steadfast love holds power and tenderness together, creating ways out of no way. God had to call Amos away from his flocks of sheep and his sycamore trees because the regular prophets, the ones on the payroll of the temple, had lost their nerve, or maybe their hearing. When they spoke the purported word of God, it came out saying exactly what the king wanted to hear. Can you imagine that? <laughs> This did not please God, so he found a workaround, the kind of volunteer who was told, Thou shalt, and he did. As we listen and think today about what is core for us, that plumb line reasserts itself in our hearts. May we begin to hear how peace and justice could meet and embrace, indeed kiss one another. May our faithfulness increase to the steadfast one who is worthy of our trust. May we find ways to claim our true power with tenderness toward all we meet. Amen.